With over half of enterprise security budgets going towards detection and response in 2020, the challenge is investing in solutions that can migrate and scale with your business. ExtraHop helps security teams spot threats up to 95% faster and respond 60% more efficiently in hybrid and multi-cloud environments with cloud-native network detection and response. Kick the tires in the full product demo at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Cyber risk and compliance automation is finally here. Arduous legacy GRC systems cannot support the powerful real-time automation and oversight that organizations require to take risks that matter and compete in today's business climate. CyberSaint ingests data from your existing tech stack to deliver unprecedented patented automation and visibility into enterprise risk and compliance. Don't get left behind. See why the most forward-thinking CISOs and business leaders of Fortune 500 and more partner with CyberSaint. Maximize your cybersecurity program today by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash BSW. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Paul Asadorian and Jason Albuquerque. Do you have a specific guest or topic that you want us to cover on one of the shows? Submit your suggestions for guests by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash guests and completing the form. We're going to review suggestions this week because we got some spots to fill. So get your submissions in now. I think Jason Albuquerque needs to make an appearance on <laughs> ESW. That's what I think. There we go. There, there's one. There's one. Do it. Uh, yes. Uh, also, stay tuned as we build out our schedule for this coming year. Uh, but you can visit securityweekly.com forward slash on demand to view all of our 2020 webcasts and trainings. We do have a webcast coming up with Red Seal in January. We're just getting some of the, the final components together. And then that schedule will start to roll like it did last year. All right, gentlemen. So I tried to stay away from all the New Year's resolution articles, which is hey. a ton, and all the prediction articles which were a ton. Uh, So we can focus on real leadership and communications articles. And the first one I pulled in, uh, and I'm not convinced this is a good article or or not yet. And this is the six board of director security concerns every CISO should be prepared to address. I'm not sure this is a brand new list. A lot of the things on here, Jason, look pretty familiar to things we've been talking about for a really, really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say they added the words COVID to some of the yeah, paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean at, at the end of the day, we're at a point, at least in my organization and, and other leaders that I've I've spoken to, the board in the executive team, the CEO, owners, whatever the case may be, they want to know about uh resilience and risk. Though those are the two main conversations we're having these days. Um, is our organization resilient enough to withstand an attack? Uh, will our operations continue on? So BCDR is a big piece of it, right? And then, and then having proactive risk conversations. That's, you know, they want to be part of the decision-making. So having those proactive risk conversations is huge. And, and, and I consider, you know, compliance type controls part of that risk conversation. So yeah, I know that they- was one of the, one of the items in the article, but, um, you know, from from a programmatic perspective, you know, they're not getting deep into the nuts and bolts of the program of your security program or your risk program, but they want to be part of the decision making process. Yeah, and it's interesting. We've seen this compli- continuous compliance conversation. Look, I was doing GRC, you know, back in two thousand three, two thousand four. We were yeah. talking about how to 
make it continuous, right? But compliance is part of a broader risk program. It can't just be about compliance. To your point, Jason, we have yeah. to think about compliance in an overall risk umbrella because I have to manage risk. Compliance happens to be one risk, but there's a lot of other risks organizations need to be Absolutely. prepared for. But it's also oh, yeah. compliance with your own internal standards and policies that I often find is more difficult to maintain and achieve than well, PCI says we have to do this, so we're going to do yeah. it, right? Uh, and then if we don't, an auditor is going to point at it and go, you're missing that control. You're, you're you know, bad, bad person, you. Um, but when it's internal, things like MFA or we talked about Wi-Fi, I can figure some really secure Wi-Fi networks. The problem with controls is controls introduce friction. And when there's mm -hmm. friction, we remove the control so that there's less friction, such as like a VPN split tunnel. Well, that, we put a control so that can't happen, but then someone needs something and we have to open it back up again. And I think that's what gets a lot of organizations in trouble is not implementing and agreeing upon those controls, but keeping them moving forward, even if there's friction. Yeah, no, I 100% agree, right? And, and, and sometimes having that ace in your pocket to have some type of best practice framework or compliance control to pull out and say, here's why we're introducing a little bit of friction is beneficial. You know, so, yeah. so you know, we have the benefit of having 6,000 customers, which means we have to adhere to 18 different authority documents when it comes to compliance, right? right. So it's, it's, it's not easy, right? And, 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 and at the end of the day, there have been times where I can say, our, customers our energy demand based this. customers yeah. Yeah. would frown upon this if we go down right. this path or do not go down this path. And having mm -hmm. that ability to lean on compliance is huge, but embed it in the overall security strategy for the benefit of the organization, right? But, but we, we talked about it in the last segment about having some stories to tell. Those are partially some of the stories we, mm -hmm. we can tell, right? I mean, you know, if, if we have a big customer who's a nuclear power company and, and you know, NERC CIP mandates that third parties have to do these type of things, that's a story that I want to be able to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's the exception that's going to get us in trouble. Yeah. Yep. We create an exception, right? Some executive doesn't need multi-factor authentication turned mm -hmm. on, and guess whose account gets compromised? That's right, 100%. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so these look very similar to me, so I was like, ah, I don't think this... Yep. I, I mean, look, these are things that boards have a much better... Uh, they want more insight on. I think it's good to raise these up and, and be able to talk about these. I don't think they've really changed a lot over the years per se, but I think there is finally more involvement from the board to understand things like risk and resiliency and accountability, which we've all been trying to fight for for years. So it's good we're getting elevated to that level. Uh, it just means we have to be able to answer their questions better, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's the big takeaway of this article and in, in the reboot of this conversation is the fact that, hey, now you're going to get asked some questions related mm -hmm. to this type of stuff, right? Related to these these items where, you know, in, in, in years past, you may not have. Correct. Yeah, agreed. Uh, four ways to improve the relationship between security and IT. Uh, just become the CIO and the CISO, Jason, and it's solved. There you go. That's That's it. Yeah. Solution number one. All right. Let's talk about solution number two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look, there's good points in here. I mean, when you think about this, you know, part of it is changing the culture of division. Don't yeah. sweat the org charts. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, we, we talk about this a lot, but 
there still seems to be the kind of IT versus security, ops versus security yeah. and risk. Um, be, be, become it, a business partner is key, and, and and I will I will substitute IT for any other business unit in the organization in this list, right? Um, because you have to be a business partner to every single business unit, because there's going to be hard conversations you need to have outside of IT. So build better relationships, build strong relationships, become a trusted advisor, right? Don't always be that that department of no, like we talked about in the previous segment. Um, you know, and, and, and really be that go-to person when it comes to, to security, become that go-to department. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting. They said, embrace the CISO as risk management leader model, right? We were just talking about this Mm -hmm. in the previous article about it's about risk, right? Security and compliance. they're, They're all part of this risk framework. Does the CISO role, it has been in a lot of organizations, heavily operational. And, and I've made this, um, I've said this for years that I see this role shifting more into a governance risk kind of role. Are, are yep. we are we still trending that way, Jason? With, with I, all I would the say absolutely yes. And, and I would say absolutely yes. And one thing I'll say is become the risk management leader or you'll report to the risk manager leader. There you go. Honestly, I mean, that's, that is what the executive suite and the board of directors want to talk about. That's one of the top, like I mentioned before, um, in the beginning is those are the two top conversations I'm hearing resilience and risk. Yeah. So either you're taking on the role of the risk officer in some form or fashion, or you're going to report to the risk officer. That's it. That's it. You'll eventually have a leader at the C-suite sitting at the table with that seat who has risk experience who's talking about business risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another article in here that highlights that risk skill set. Uh, I think it's the last article on the 10 top skills. So there's going to be a common theme through this uh, segment today. Uh, Next article, Cecil playbook, three steps to breaking in a new boss. You get a new CEO. Um, uh, here's the three steps they recommend, you know, establish your base, strengthen your position, and then set a new course based on, the new sea levels direction. If it were only that easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, great, great advice. Three, you know, three things you can put in your pocket, but that's not all of it. <laughs> that, that's not even close. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you get a new CEO who comes in the door. Um, you need to build that same kind of a relationship that you had with the previous CEO. You need yeah. to understand their risk appetite. You need to understand their direction for the company. Uh, there's a reason why the new CEO was hired. So you have to figure out um, you know, what, their, what their posture is, what their thoughts are, what the future of the organization is going to become. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about, and, and, and you know, I look at this article, it's just about me. It's yes. not just about me. Yes. It's not about what me you said establishing is... my base. It's not about me yep. strengthening my position. It's not about me setting a new course. It's about getting out there and figuring out what the CEO wants, uh, what their direction is, what their vision is, and what that mission is going to be, and then aligning to that. Because it may be a major shift. And what you said is opposite of what the article says. And I like what you said way better. Because the first couple of points here are about establishing your base, strengthening your... It's not about you. If you've got a new boss, you have to have some empathy, and you got to listen, right? That's the only way you're going to 
be able to move forward in a new relationship of any kind uh, is good listening skills and, and having empathy. And that's really where mm-hmm. it starts. Not about talking about yourself yeah. and what, what you want, right? No, no. And, and, and you know, I, I, I tried to kind of shift this article into, into my philosophies and, and my strategies. So, yeah, I mean, you do have to establish your, your base, right? I, I look at that as establishing your, your, your profile to the organization, right? To the new leadership. Sure. Build a relationship with them. Right. Um, you know, but that, that building a relationship isn't just to the CEO, uh, the new CEO, the new, you know, the new, the new CEO may bring in other leaders, start, mm-hmm. you know, building relationships with them. It's almost guaranteed. The new CEO is going to bring in yeah. a bunch of new leaders. And right. now I have to collaborate and and work with all these new leaders and reestablish the understanding of what are the business goals? What's the Mm -hmm. drivers? You know, what kind of risk appetite do each of these Mm -hmm. new leaders have? Because it could change your entire security program or approach. It may not, but there could be changes coming. Yep. No, 100%. Right. And, and, and I look at that as building relationships so you can build cheerleaders because when you need to make some decisions, you want those executive stakeholders to have your back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this next one is, is I, I moved into a, a couple more uh, leadership articles here. These next two, the first one's how to lead your high performers to excellence. Uh, I thought this was a really, uh, it's a long article, um, but a really interesting article on how to really move those high performers to kind of to that next level, right? And as we think about our industry, you know, we see lots of high performers in different areas. How do you how do you continue to culture and nurture them into more leadership yeah. and in other positions? I thought this was a really good article this, as a starting this, point. This article is a gem, right? And 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 I love this article because in many instances, your high performers, sometimes leaders will put them in autopilot, right? And not feel like they need the 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 care and feeding that they should have. Um, because they are high performers, right? Because they are out there killing it within, within your, your, your team. But at the end of the day, that's the care and feeding you want to, to, to put effort in the most because you want them to stay around. You want them to teach other uh, staff members and, and, and be a mentor to other staff members. So, you know, putting someone on a performance improvement plan is, is, is easy. Um, you know, that's the easy button and, and, and you go through that HR type process to do what you need to do. But Making sure you're taking care of your high performers and keeping them there and keeping them engaged, um, making sure you're keeping their, um, you know, their 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 futures, um, you know, in mind as as you're making decisions. I, I think it's huge. This is this is a gem of an article. So I, I truly recommend it. it. Is long, but at the end of the day, many times we we forget about those high performers because they do um, such great work that you think you can put them in autopilot. Yeah, and, and look, with, with where we've seen our resources and, and gaps in, in our industry, we don't want to lose high performers. No. We want no. to make them continue to excel, right? Yep. And so we can't just set them in the corner, forget about them, because we know they're going to crank out great work. We have to figure out how to how to keep them engaged and, and bring them into the fold and yep. accelerate. What What's their goal? What's their vision? What do they want to do next, right? Because if we don't do that, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to get bored. They're going to get bored and they're going to go somewhere else. Right. You know, high performers are high performers for a reason. You know, they want to be challenged. They want to be innovative. They want to be pushing that, that, that bleeding edge. So, 
uh, you know, at the end of the day, th those are the folks you want to give the new innovative projects to. You want to you want to feed that energy. You want to feed that intellectual curiosity and, and, and allow it to grow. Right. It, you know, one of the things I love about the article, too, is 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 number seven, which is establish healthy work boundaries. It's not a free ticket. Right. Because sometimes when you're a high performer, the ego can kick in. It's not a free ticket to do bad. So so make sure, you know, you, 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 you're keeping an eye on that as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's a scenario where that caring and feeding and, and making sure you're working with them to grow um, is key. And, and here's the other thing, too. Don't make them a resource that you're 100 percent dependent on. I, I always tell my direct managers, I'm going to teach you as much as I know so you can put me out of a job so I can move on to my next greatest thing. I want you to. You know, and, and, and I want my leaders to do the same thing with the folks who report to them, teach them, show them the way, right? And, and, and make them the best that they can possibly be so they can fill your shoes one day. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I could move on to another organization and my, you know, my, my next person could step in my shoes. And then it's, it's that kind of that, that, that mm -hmm. ripple effect. So, you know, teach the folks, mentor the folks, you know, have, have them have that aspiration. That, I mean, yeah. that's super important. Also, uh, and it's the way I was kind of brought up, right, in my career was make sure you can teach and document your way out of a job uh, in training where I have a job, right? Um, but also, I like number five, extend visibility beyond team boundaries. I often find that high performers will be high performers in their own team or in their own kind of circle. Mm -hmm. And a great next step for that person is kind of what you said, Jason, like, hey, there's this new project. You're gonna have to work with other teams, right? Bring that excellence to outside of those team boundaries. I think is super important to keep in your high performance I, I, engaged. I couldn't agree more, Paul. And and outside of your company as well. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I tell my you know my my direct reports is I'm gonna get you out of your comfort zone. Yep. I'm gonna have you teach a course, right? I'm yeah. gonna have you build curriculum. I'm gonna have you um, look to volunteer for an organization, right? And 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 help build the community. It's something that's very, very important to me because getting folks out of their comfort zones only allows them to expand and learn more. Have the present to the customer, right? And learn, See, learn that. Yeah. Learn those skills, those yes. interpersonal skills, how to communicate, how to tell a story, how to listen to a customer. Uh, those are other examples, Jason, yeah. that I think are very important for folks in, in our field. Yeah. Bring them to an executive meeting. So they can be a subject matter expert and speak to the executives. Mm. Right. Uh, one way not to accelerate your leaders is through micromanaging. So this, this is an HBR podcast. Uh, it's about 20, 22 minutes long, something like that. When you take out all the fluff it talks yeah. about stopping micromanaging and, and giving people the help they really need. Uh, there's a couple uh, key things in here. I, I pulled out of this. Uh, one is about communication. Let your staff know that you're there to help, right? Not to take over or interfere. Okay. And, and that is a big communication thing. Um, the second thing, I, I love this term, is don't swoop and poop, which hmm. is don't swoop in, tell them everything that's bad, and then swoop out. It's this concept right. called swoop and poop. We used to, uh, we used think, to call that the, the pigeon effect, right? Because you'd come in, you'd shit all over the place, and then fly away. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Same concept. Don't do that. <laughs> right. I like the swoop right, and poop because right, right. it rhymes. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know, 
I notice a lot and I, I, you know, I, I coach some of my folks sometimes as well is, is we're all running a thousand miles an hour. We all have deadlines, right? Don't just go in there and do it because you can do, you can, you know, you can do it fast and get it done, right? Allow folks to learn, allow folks to, to, you know, uh, get that experience and get that hands-on because if you just keep doing that and you make that habitual, they'll never get the opportunity to do it. And, and, and a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll work with my teams and say, Hey, listen, I want you to, I want you to work on this project. We're going to have a check-in meeting 10 days from now. Um, and, and, and let me know if, if you need me for anything in the meantime, we have this for a deadline at the end of the day, I'm always here for an escalation. If you need me, um, you know, and, and that way we can, we can meet our deadline. Right. So it's, it's one of those scenarios where, you know, let your folks know you're there for a resource and check in, check in because you'll be able to get a sense of, of where they're at and if they need assistance. And during those check-in meetings, you can give recommendations and guidance. And, you know, one of the things I say in my meetings is, do you need me to remove any roadblocks? Right. That's, that's part of my job. Part of my job is to remove roadblocks and get business units talking to us. So there are many instances, you know, where, where I've had to go in and talk to another business unit leader and say, Hey, listen, can you get so-and-so to pick up the phone? Because we're, you know, we're, we're trying to get this done. I need your help. Yeah. Yeah. There's just some great tips in here about being clear on communication that you're yeah. there to help, you know, if they need the help, reach out. Right. That's because it. if you go in and you do it for them, it, it's yeah, it it's does zero, not zero well. value. Exactly. right. Uh, this last article, top 10 in-demand cybersecurity skills for 2021. It's not as much, when, sometimes when you hear this term, security skills, you're thinking like job titles. No, yeah. this is a breakdown of some of the 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 capabilities as a yep. leader that you need and, and what people are looking for now. And I told you we were going to come back to this concept of risk, right? And the number mm -hmm. one in-demand skill is risk identification and management. Yep. Uh, 100% agreed. That's, that's, <laughs> we said it earlier, either, either build it or, or you're going to report to it. Right. So you got, just, just take the bull by the horns, take the reins and just, just do it. Start having that business risk conversation, own it because it's here. Yeah. <laughs> A couple uh, other interesting ones in here, you know, technical fundamentals. Eh, okay. I, yeah, I get it. You, yep. you, you want the technical prowess. I get it. Um, I thought data management and analysis was interesting, right? We, we were talking the last episode before we left, it's talking about maybe we'll see some movement around data privacy, data security a little more. And this interesting yeah. data management analysis skill set shows up as number three on the list. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I took a note and I, I I put privacy question mark right because for me I think I thought you know I figured that would be more than the the analytical side is 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 the privacy piece of it and the other thing that was missing honestly Matt and 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 you always say it identity access management right I yeah. I think those are some 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 killer skills we need yeah. Yeah, because we've got DevSecOps in here. We've got cloud. We've got automation. We've yep. threat hunting. All the stuff we already know, but identity plays such an important part yes. of the triad. But you're right. It's not here. It's not um, there. It's it, missing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, then then you had interpersonal skills we were talking about in the couple of the previous articles. Agility, the ability to, to be agile, especially with change. I mean, we're yep. going to see a lot of change. Absolutely. Uh, but you're business right. Business acumen, business acumen, learn the business, know the business. Yeah. I think, I think this could be the, the top 10 skills in really any year for cybersecurity. Yeah. 
I I don't see it having changed much over the years. No, I mean, Cloud's cloud's probably a little higher on the list than it has been in the past if you were to rank these yeah. previous years just because of what's been going on. How pervasive on, on it is. It's, it's become yeah. much more pervasive in organizations because it had to. We didn't have a choice. Mm. Right. Business acumen to me is a little low on the list if, if you're ranking these. Mm-hmm. I'd want business acumen a little higher, I think, in, in some of this because there is so much demand uh, and understanding with the business that if you don't understand it, ha- yeah. how can you succeed? So it's a little low on the list to me. Yeah. We can debate and, the positions, but. And, and Matt, I mean, I think the order of the list is dependent on your role as well, right? Because, um, you know, if you're a CISO, um, I'm going to hire good threat hunters. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. The threat hunting one is kind of really specific. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's so too I, specific. I, you know, you it, know. Right. So, so it's one of those scenarios where. It all depends on what role in cybersecurity you're talking about, the order of the priority of these, right? Because I would expect a CISO to have risk identification, business acumen, interpersonal skills, those type of items, and then the more technical folks to hit more of these technical as their their tops. Yeah, for sure. it's just it's just an interesting order when you look at it because mm. you, you can debate the order a little bit. But I think your point's right. It depends on your your security persona, right? Who exactly. are you? Yeah. Um, and and that definitely influences the list. But I think it, it good. It's a good list for people as they're looking at their career and security and where they mm. want to go. How well are they prepared for some of these? Do they want to stay technical and they need to go down the DevSecOps cloud path or threat hunting path or the automation path versus if you want to be a leader, do I need that risk identification, the interpersonal skills and the business acumen components, right? Because that's going to help craft kind of your trajectory and, and some of the skill sets you need to improve on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this first Uh, Business Security Weekly of 2021. Thank you everyone for listening and joining and we'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly.